like you're you're kind of like my mom in the sense that well in the sense that you used and I, I would like to think that I'm nothing like your mom <laughs> like absolutely nothing like your mom but okay well, don't say that <laughs> welcome to hot marriage cool parents hello hello there i'm your host jamie otis hainer i'm douglas otis hainer <laughs> so, i think i've said this before but i always <laughs> love it when uh he gets it like introduced or mail gets, comes to the house and it says doug otis yeah doug <laughs> i otis. love it one of them said uh i, I felt irish one said uh otis hainer no it didn't yeah it did it was combined otis hainer <laughs> that's so funny yeah so anyway, yeah, we uh, we were coming off a fantastic episode with Maddie Jackson. Yeah, I'm still fangirling over the fact that I got to chit chat with Alan Jackson's daughter. And but, I'm glad I found out who Alan Jackson was. Yeah, uh, or is you live you live under a rock for sure. But not <laughs> even just that though. For real, like Maddie has such an inspiring story, and then that dream that she shared. That dream still gives me goosebumps every time. Yeah. I'm I'm like, think of it. If you've ever needed a sign, like man, or like, or like to hear that other people do get signs, go back and listen to the last episode with Maddie Jackson because chills, yeah, like that was chills pretty, as she tells her story. Pretty incredible. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And not for nothing, the whole time you're like listening, you're like, wow, this is Ellen Jackson's daughter. Like, it's just so cool. Yeah. But um, anyway, so. Last week, we went up to go see my family, and um, unfortunately, I was under bad circumstances because, you know, my grandma passed, and it was actually my grandma's first birthday since her passing, and it's also my little sister's birthday, and so there's a couple reasons why <laughs> I really wanted to get up there. Well, first of all... There's always a little drama. Well... By the, by, <laughs> by the time we go up there, there's always something happening. My family does come with a whole lot of stuff um but so you know my grandma passed unexpectedly and I think Henley I think Henley had they had just started school and um I wasn't sure what to do like should I fly up should we all fly up it, it's kind of it was just utter chaos really um it wasn't necessarily the funeral it was more of a celebration of, of well life no that's what I'm saying that. is that yeah. we didn't get to the funeral so I facetimed okay. into the funeral and, um, and I was really like, so thankful that my sister was willing to put me on FaceTime and just prop me up so I could be there just because, you know, I want to pay my last respects to my grandma and, you know, and also I heard my mom's eulogy and my mom's eulogy. I mean, I'm speechless over it because, yeah. you know, it's not a secret that of course my mom has had drug dependency issues. Like she's gone back and forth as, you know, a drug addict. And, um, which by the way, last night I was texting her and she said she's one month clean yesterday. I, oh, good for her. Yeah. Like one month straight clean. And she said she doesn't even have a desire for has it. Has she shared that with you before? No, never. I mean, my mom's like a whole different person. Did she like volunteer that information though? Yeah. I didn't ask her. I mean, I told her I, there, it's an amazing thing that happened when after the most recent time that my mom kind of disappeared and I really thought she was dead. And I told the story before in the podcast how, you know, I immediately booked flights up. My sister Joanna and I were like kind of concerned that she could be dead in her apartment because the doors yeah. were locked. No one could get in. Her best friend hadn't heard from her. And we're like, if her best friend is reaching out to us, asking us where she is, like, well, something's wrong because yeah. that's how we would get a hold of my mom. And so you know, I was just certain that my mom must have either, who knew? I'm like, could, and then like my sister, you know, was like, 
could it be murder? Could it be OD? Could it be who knows? And like, we just went down that rabbit hole. And after that, I said to my siblings, I was like, listen, mom is as old as she is and she's still using it's, it is what it is. Who cares at this point? I mean, obviously we're not going to be able to have a close relationship with her, but let's just love her. I mean, the woman has gone through quite a life, you know, I mean, she's really, there's a reason that she is an addict and it's, you know, it started way before any of her kids were even alive. I mean, she had a really rough upbringing and, you know, and I don't know, I think that really, truly God has softened my heart towards my mom to help me realize that. Like, you know, when I, after I had Henley, I started realizing, oh my gosh, my mom had five of these, (laughs) these babies and I have one (laughs) and I'm like frazzled. (laughs) How did my mom have five (laughs) and a man? And like, I had a supportive husband who was, you know, like you were always, if I said, you know, I need a diaper, you'd go grab a diaper. I need you to change her diaper. You'd change her diaper. If I, you know, I mean, I, I was very hands-on with Henley, but I had someone who was supportive for me. And I don't think she's ever had a positive male. No. Like, I mean, she genuinely, she, um, you know, she, you know, just from what I remember when my mom had my most, re- my, um, the youngest, our twins and my family. And when she had them, she was with, married to someone who would abuse her. And so instead of having someone that she could be like, Hey, can you go change the diaper? I mean, she, we were literally, I remember one time and I'm not kidding you. We were, I wrote about this in my book, um, because this is just like such a, a, a memory that just, I can't get out of my head of, because like, so what happened was we were at the fair and, uh, my mom, my, my mom, my step, fair? it was just like a County fair, oh. nothing, you know, it wasn't like the big state fair we went to. No, not that. Oh. No, it was just a small County fair, you know, but it was exciting for us. We never, I mean, we were kids in a trailer park. My mom didn't have a lot of money. So this was a huge treat for us. I mean, we never got to do this kind of stuff. And my little sister, I must've been, hmm, I must've been like six or seven because, or maybe just six. Cause the twins were babies at the time and I'm five years older than them. So they, I must've been like five to six. Um, because That's a good my, memory. and my sister, Amy Lim is in a car seat. I mean, I'll tell you why it's so easy to remember this because what happened was I remember being on the Ferris wheel and my mom spotted my stepdad. He, he had just gotten out of jail and my mom knew he was getting out of jail and she was scared he was going to go there because she was dating someone. So she was like really oh, scared that he was going to get, you know, kind of nasty. Yeah. And so my, we were on the Ferris wheel. I will never forget this. We were on the Ferris wheel and my mom was like, you know, spotted my stepdad and was like, the minute this, this ride ends, I'm going to grab your hand. Like we're going to run across the park. Like not even a park. It was she like a gave field. You guys like a talk. Oh yeah. yeah. She was like, the minute this is done, we're going to go. We're gonna what was go. he in jail for? I mean, anything dr- drugs, mm. a, a, a domestic abuse. I mean, one time my mom actually, usually she would say, Oh no, you know, like they would figure it out. She would never send him to jail over him abusing her. Yeah. But, um, needless to say, so we run across the fields and there's people everywhere. And I'm like looking, I don't see him myself anywhere, but yeah, obviously I, I mean, my mom's just telling <laughs> us to go or going and she, cause she was with a boyfriend at the time. And, um, you know, we get in the car, we back up. I don't know. I guess he, he really was there because he found us. He followed us. He started, I mean, so not only my mom's driving her new boyfriend's in the passenger seat, my sister Joanna is on like behind the passenger. My sister Amy Lynn is in the middle in the car seat. And then I'm at the, you know, behind my mom and there's a door, there's a, there's a car that's like coming up next to us trying to like 
like get us off the road. Like, so my stepdad must've been drunk and like just very angry that my mom looked like she'd moved on or something. And he kind of like rammed us off the road and to the point where my mom had no choice, but to stop. Yeah. Otherwise she was going to get in an accident. Knowing that the kids are in the car. Oh yeah. He yeah. absolutely knew we were in the car. And after my mom had no choice, but to stop and pull over because Otherwise, they were going to get in an accident. Yeah. He got out of the car. He pulled in front of us so that we couldn't, like, just get out easily. He got out of the car, came to the hood of our car. So this is how I remember so vividly because I remember Amy Lynn screaming and crying. And, I and like, I just was, like, I, didn't, I was trying to comfort her but also, like, terrified myself. Yeah. I remember I could see my stepdad's eyes through the windshield and I was, like, is he going to, like, break it like I as a kid I just had no idea what to what was happening except I was also very very scared for my mom's boyfriend because my yeah. my mom's boy my mom was scared for her boyfriend that he was gonna try to be really mean to him and so that I don't know how I don't remember like that's kind of where my memory ends for the whole thing I don't know if my mom like I mean I, I think from what she said like she just like reversed it and luckily she didn't hurt him like you know he wasn't hurt yeah. but we were able to get out of there safely my mom was freaking brilliant the way that she was able to like I mean the way that she was able to uh, the first thing she thought of was that she was going to go to the police station that he that's the one place he wouldn't follow us yeah. and sure enough he we went we drove right to the police station and I don't know how this is back before. oh he followed you guys out well, he follows out of the state fair. And so that's how my mom was like, well, where would he not follow us yeah. next? Because we have, you know, like she didn't feel safe. And so she took us to the police station. But the problem was, is that my, um, I used to call her my aunt Patty. My mom's friend Patty was babysitting the twins back at the trailer and trailer walls and doors mm. are notorious for being very thin, easy to break in all that jazz. So my mom's sitting at like the jail and this is before, you know, uh, cell phone. So she, I don't know if she paid pay phoned or how she got a hold of a beeped I have no but we didn't have pagers we weren't <laughs> that was like a fancy device that we couldn't afford but I don't know so she got the like she there was a pay phone at the jail I don't know if that's what she used or what the case was I just remember vividly sitting in the jail's parking lot and my mom said we're safe here and so I felt safer there but of course my mom was worried about they're just playing the kids okay. I don't know if you heard that or not our kids screaming <laughs> we have a babysitter out there watching them but my mom was worried that just for her twins, you know, for yeah. the little, for the babies. And so, um, that's so scary yeah. for kids though. Yeah. So, um, that being said, after I have my daughter Henley mm. and like, and then fast forward, you know, let me just go back. So, you know, we have this whole thing with the jail and my stepdad and all that jazz. And I don't even remember my mom would be able to tell you like if he went to jail again after that, I think that might be the same night. I don't know. Uh, like there's so many of these types of memories that my brain cannot forget. Like I, and it's like, I, I want to be an optimistic, positive person yeah. and remember good times and not the bad times. But I think that your human nature is wired to remember the bad times so that you can build up the wall so that you can prevent it from happening again. Like that's like your yeah. survival mode. I don't even know if it's like, if it's, I mean, those are like not just bad times. That's like a, like tragic. Yeah. It was you know, like that's, traumatic. Yeah. yeah. That traumatic is the word that I was going for. Cause you know, bad times, like you I mean, bad times for <clears throat> people are different, like traumatic, like that's a traumatic episode for a six year old and yeah. any kid. Yeah. Well, my sister, Amy Lynn was just, you know, a toddler. She, if I was, if the twins were born, she had to at least be three cause she's three mm -hmm. years older. 
And I'm pretty sure the twins were like about a, you know, give or take a year. Yeah. And so. I tell um, you what though, we've been married now for over 10 years. No, no over nine. Over nine years. <laughs> a little less than 10 years. Yes. And we saw your mom more in that one trip than we had total, I think. In, in all of our marriage. All of our marriage. It's true. That trip. So this past trip, to come anyway. full circle with the story. Um, so that was like what happened to my mom as I was growing up. That type of a situation happened to my mom over and over and over again in one way or another. With, From one guy to another abusive well, guy. not necessarily that extent of abuse because she actually stopped tolerating it. Um, oh, good. Kind of. It's, you know, it's a lot to talk about. I only can share like from what I've experienced. So what I experienced was that. And then my, you know, my mom never did have anybody who was like, oh, here, let me help change a diaper. Or, oh, here, let me, you know, take this off your hands and help you out in some sort of a way. Oh, you, you can't get the kids right now. You want to take a shower? Like literally today, you let yeah. me take a shower while you went to go get the kids from school. My mom didn't have anybody like that at all in her life, like not one person. And so... Um, I mean, she, maybe her friend occasionally, I don't know, but needless to say all of that growing up. And so then eventually the woman breaks, obviously who wouldn't. And of course I'm a teenager when it happens and when it's, when it begins happening, I'm in high school. And so I'm still so young. I don't, all I see is that my mom like doesn't care about me, is never around, is choosing her friends and partying over me, like goes off on drug binges for two weeks and comes back. There's like no food in the house. There's literally no heat and it's winter in upstate New York. It's freaking freezing. I obviously get really angry and bitter at my mom. Like I'm like this, like, how can you do this to us? Like we're your kids and we, and she'll say, oh, you don't need me. You're grown now. And I'm like, we need you. Like, what do you mean (laughs) we don't need you? And so I get real bitter towards my mom. And, you know, eventually we get evicted out of that trailer because my mom is obviously her coping mechanism wasn't one that she would even say herself was a good one. You know, it wasn't a good coping mechanism and it's costly. And so needless to say, we get evicted out of that trailer And, you know, that's how I ended up getting custody of my siblings. First, all three of my siblings come to live with me. It's, it's such a loaded story. Did you have to get custody? So technically, yeah. Otherwise they'd go in foster care. And that was the whole point is that we were, I was like trying to keep my siblings out of foster care. I was trying to keep us all out of foster care in the beginning. And then as I became of age and it was like just 18, I think so. I don't yeah. know. I was 19 when they first came to stay with me. So it must be 18. Cause they let me, they let them stay with me. Um, but so I get bitter towards my mom and like, I'm still bitter by the time I get married to you. I mean, I'm so, my mom's Very still bitter. not around at all. She, I don't even know how I got a hold of her for her to come to my wedding. Cause like, you know, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, she came. So that's yeah. good. And honestly, of course I would want my mom there. Like that's the whole thing is that I always, I always, I've always loved my mom. You know, I was angry with her. You've always kept these like little like wisdom tips and stuff yeah. from your mom. I really do. And I really you, listened to her. And then and then you were just so bitter to your mom, but you're like holding on to these little gems of wisdom. Yeah, like she would tell me <laughs> things like, never trust a guy. He only wants one thing. Right. And I would really believe that. I mean, my mom seemed do to know. Do as I say, not what I do. Yeah, and she would tell me, don't get addicted to anything, not even coffee. Like that will control your life and you don't want to be addicted to that. She would tell me that. I mean, I've, she told me that more than once. I mean, so many times when I was growing up to the point that I never even wanted to try a drug because I was she also told me you can try cocaine one time and you could die and I was like okay I won't try it mom like she but she like she wasn't she just said that over and over and over again and it really helped 
develop who I am, like to where I didn't want to try a drug. And then, so I kind of found it hard to believe that was another hard part about this is that when she was disappearing for two weeks with her friends, I knew she was like obviously neglecting us and disappearing, but I didn't think she was a drug addict. I honestly had no idea she was a drug addict. Really? I hadn't, of course, I, yeah, I, guess I would have would never, you know? like, yeah, would you ever think your mom is a drug addict? Like, no, especially when I grew up with a mom that said, don't even get addicted to coffee yeah. or to cigarettes or to, you know, pot or anything because. So she, when did you find out? I found out when my, you know, when then she got evicted and all three of the siblings, my siblings had to come live with me. And so I was like that oblivious. I feel like mm. kind of like an idiot, but I was just a teenager. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, how did I, how did. Well, you I don't want to look at your mom or a parent in that way. And also. It's not if like she she's was doing using, it around you. Yeah, exactly. And if she was, whenever she was home, she was coming off the drug. So she was just sleeping. She would lock herself in her bedroom. And I kid you mm. not, she would literally lock the door and not let us in. And she would sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. There was a bathroom in there and she just slept and slept and slept. And then she'd wake up for a day or two and then off again, she'd go. So it was like, she was sleeping off. I don't know what that was actually. Mm. But um, anyways, the, the point of the story is, is that, uh, after I had, so I'm obviously was so bitter and thinking of kind of just how she, it felt like she didn't care about us. She didn't love us. She was selfish. Um, you know, well, she was I just, think you always longed for oh, I, but a mother daughter relationship. Oh, and you were, we can't I, even I mean, go even there in, I'll cry. No, I know. But even in the, even in the beginning of our marriage, like you, um, that was one thing that stood out was like, you were, you just, you, you wanted that. And I think you were just bitter that it was kind of past that time. Honestly, the saddest part is I thought I would never have a mother daughter relationship with my mom. I, I I just never. And it's my mom would say things that were like salt on the wound because she'd say, Oh, you know, like she would pretend like we had that. And I remember when we were filming for our vow renewal and she's like pretending that we have this happy go lucky family. And I'm like, it would just be salt on my wound because I wanted that so bad. Like I wanted the mom that I used to know who, you know, who I could go to and sit on her lap and feel safe when I was a kid. And I wanted the mom that, you know, she would get a little bit of money and, you know, cause we never had a whole lot of money, but she would be like, okay guys, like what, what kind of treat do we want to get? You know, like she would be like, you know, she really, was such a good mom and she really, I mean, we didn't have a lot, but we had a whole lot of love from her and I really missed that mom, you know? And so then when she kind of took that away from us and not just me, but my siblings too, you know, it was really hard to see with my younger siblings. Cause you know, I'm a teenager at least, but they were really young yeah. and it really hurt them. And so when she took that away, I definitely got bitter and I was, and I couldn't understand how, someone could do that to us. Like I, 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 like I just couldn't fathom it. And so then I go to nursing school and I start learning about, you know, mental health and whatnot and start kind of recognizing things in my mom and realizing that she's, you know, mental illness is real and it's not anyone's fault if they have, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever. And so I started kind of being like, okay, you know, that kind of makes sense. And then, um, after I had Henley, I was like, you know, I was like dying to know who my father was first and foremost. Cause I'm, you know, after you have a child, you're really trying to 
like really understand your lineage and like, and like yeah. where you come from and who, like, who am I and who is this child that I, I, I mean, it's amazing when you have a child. Well, especially once, uh, and I don't know if it was like this back in the day, but like now that they have all the genealogy tests and yeah. things that they could test for, um, you know, for, for like going back, like I could, I could trace Certain, I mean, my, my family doesn't really have many diseases, but like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, addiction on my mom's side and some on my dad's side, but like you can trace that. Yeah. And for you for, for a while, it was just nothing, nothing. Yeah. And my mom couldn't tell me who my dad was. And I think that may, may have like kind of kickstarted. I, I know you put in such a huge effort with yeah. your mom to find out and I don't know how many paternity tests that you your mom brought to you but I think well, it kind of kick-started it once we started to look at having kids yeah but to finish out that story with my mom and how kind of how after I had Henley like first it was nursing school that made me realize okay my mom's not just maybe the most selfish person but maybe she's mentally ill a little and um and, and also like support groups, like you learn about like how important it is to have support groups. And I'm like, dang, my mom didn't have any, I didn't have any, like no one in our family had any, like my support system was my siblings that I was quote unquote raising. They were also raising me, you know, like truly. And so our support group was each other, but my mom didn't have that. She only had one brother who was younger and they were often separated because my mom was kind of left with a neighbor or you know, when they were left with a babysitter, but at one point together, but in any case, that's another thing. That's a whole other story about cycles because my grandma left my mom, my mom left us and, you know, it continued, you know, like these things happened. And so in any case, you know what the rub for me though is, is that you have the, you have your grandma there, you have an uncle there you have um, this guy Bill who was married to your grandma, and it's like you get you guys are going through all of this, and you have family members there that just never stepped in or seemed to never yeah. step in. Well, this is the things that I started realizing as I became an adult because I was like, when you're in that situation, like I knew full well that they just thought we were going to be drug addicts, low lives on welfare, not going anywhere. And it was so hurtful. And the sad part was, is that I was on welfare when I had my siblings because I couldn't afford groceries. And yeah, so, how else would you? and the one thing my mama taught me was how to go down to the social services office and apply for food stamps and, you know, heap, which was like a energy assistance so that you could have heat during the winter. Otherwise you would literally freeze to death. And, you know, and I'm thankful my mom taught me that. I'm yeah. so thankful. But, you know, so I felt like, I just kind of felt like my family was right in not supporting us back then, you know, like, because we were, but I was like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be somebody. Like, I, I wanted to get out of there so bad. I wanted to prove that I'm, that I'm not just like going to become, you know, the next person that lives on welfare my whole life, popping out babies and yeah. just, I like really wanted to prove that I was going to be something for society, that I was going to be helpful in some sort of a way. And so, but what I was trying to say, like with my mom and how I'm trying to understand my mom was that, you know, the same people who, when my mom was gone on drug binges, like my, my grandma who was in my life, my whole life, my uncle who was in my life, my whole life, like, yeah, no, like they weren't like, oh, what can we do to help? They were like, um, did you pay 
this yeah. loan back? Did you, are you paying your rent? Like, like, not like, how can I help you? It was like, you better pay me because I took a loan out for you. And so, yeah, it's, but for me as an, like now as an adult and looking it back and recognizing, I'm like, dang, if that's what my mom had to grow up with. And then she had, you know, instead of having a supportive husband, she had one that was abusive to her, which then further, you know, solidified her family's opinion of her being, you know, a, like a low life or not worth it or whatever yeah. her family's opinion was. And it was always obvious. My mom was always begging for their approval and their love really. And so, you know, it took me being an adult and being separated from the situation and growing up to realize and having a baby to realizing that my mom, she was such a strong woman. The fact that she had five children, she kept us. I mean, we weren't homeless ever. Yeah. We may have went from one apartment to the next. We never really paid our rent. We were evicted <laughs> all the time, she, but she was savvy. She knew how to work the system. She really did. But I don't want to say work the system. Well, she had like, sh- she knew what, how to I stay mean, alive. Like street smart survival. But she's smart. Like yeah. she knew, like we would get evicted all the time. She had five kids and no one supporting her. Like she tried having a job. She tried so hard being off welfare to prove that mm. she was someone. I wish she would have just been like, I wish someone would have been like, it's okay to be on welfare. Yeah. It's okay. You have five kids. You have with someone that was abused you and you have no support system. You can be on welfare. You get the pass. Like that's the whole point of welfare. Five kids. And not for nothing, not one of her kids are on welfare to this day. And there's nothing wrong with welfare first and foremost. I have to say that, but not, and if you are on it for whatever reason that you're on it, that doesn't mean crap because if you raise someone who's an upstanding member of society, they might pay off all that welfare and more because I'll tell you what, my taxes probably paid <laughs> uh, so far. Our taxes have probably paid for, her. yeah. So yeah. what I'm trying to say though, to, to be honest is that I don't you know and your siblings made a life for yourselves. Like, but all my mom stu- put, instilled in together. us yeah. those, those qualities and those values. And so, Going up to, you know, after my grandma passed and seeing my mom and, you know, when she was on that drug binge and I thought that she, so backing it on up, because I feel like we lost sight of the story, (laughs) kind of went all over the place. (laughs) But when I was saying, you know, this most recent drug binge that my mom had where I thought she was definitely dead and I bought the tickets to go up and whatnot, I I said to my siblings, like, let's just accept her as she is. Like, no one's ever really accepted her. No one's ever really approved of her. She's, I'm scared, like... I'd rather love her while she's alive. Like I'm scared she's dead. Yeah. Like I I really am like, if she's alive, let's just love her where she's at and like call it a day. Like, I mean, what's the point of being angry and bitter? We don't have to have her like over for dinner, but like, can we just love her on her instead of like being like kind of hateful and bitter towards her? Well, I think what, what also came up though is like, if you have someone like that, that's going to hide it still, the, that scenario is a very real scenario. Where if you don't know where she's going, she could be anywhere. And and if she happens to overdose or, or anything. Well, that's else, exactly like, it. We don't know, even know where she you is. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. You know, and so I don't think she I don't think she would be able to properly get herself clean until people were just like, you know, we accept you, well, we love you. I feel like that's loaded because no it, one th- if 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 we were to thought is. that if we would have thought that, then we would have done that. We never thought she would get herself clean because... No, I know, but... but We like, did love her yeah. all that time, and but she just, still didn't. Just, like, thinking about it now, though, like, her thinking that it's okay, 
like that that takes part of the part Pressure. of the process of being an addict away meaning that you know there's one part is is the high one part is is there but a lot of it is is the maneuvers that you make and the hiding and the lying and everything else that you do um, that becomes part of your life and like scrounging and and things like that where you're hiding your addiction from a lot of people um, when you Never have mind people, our dog yeah I know when you have when you have people that that you love that are saying you know um, you know just tell us just uh, like I think that changed something in her head well it absolutely did so I know I tell a long story but essentially I, my siblings and I sat my mom down and this was like, I don't know, what was it? Spring. We sat my mom down and we said, listen, go ahead and use. We don't care. Like after we finally found her, realized she's not dead, she's alive. And she was just doing what she's always done. We were like, go ahead and use. We don't care. Are you going to be around our kids? Absolutely not. Because we're not going to have that in our family. Um, are you going to be around us? Probably not so much because we don't really want to be around that either. But please know that you are loved yeah. and that we care for you and that when you're sober, you can, I would love to be, have a relationship with you and either way you're loved, you can use. And I just, I just want her to feel loved because mm. I feel like her whole life she's been begging for that love and acceptance and she's never received it. Never, ever, ever. It's been on and off, on and off, on and off. And I just felt like the woman just deserves to feel loved at some point. And so anyways, all my siblings, you know, we all agreed and it was hard. It's really hard. This is not an easy thing to do. And it's harder for them because they're up there and they yeah. see my mom, whereas I'm a little bit removed. So it's easier for me. Yeah. I feel well, like. It's like and, and it's like, you know, if we have a party or if we have, you know, like, like Hendrix or Henley's birthday party, um, you know, it's not something that she would come down to Florida for, but like right. up there, you know, for her to miss one of her you know, nieces or, or uh, grandchildren's birthdays. It's like a kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she can actually make that. Well, so fast forward to this most recent trip up to when, you know, now that you know all the baggage, and I feel like it's very important to share this type of a thing because we're not the only ones who have this type of addiction. I mean, it is such a, an epidemic in America that if you don't have someone in your family or if it's not you who's addicted to something or the other, then there's definitely someone you know or you've heard of. Like, a, yeah. I mean, there's unfortunately, it affects so many people. And I think that it's important to, to just share your true stories because it just be authentic about it because it gives everyone the right and like to be able to a share theirs, but also to maybe like find some sort of peace or some sort of help or community really. So that there's support yeah. because one thing I've learned in life is that, and this is, I learned from having a lack of it and same with for my mom is that we, we really didn't, we only had like a very, like I could count on one hand, the amount of people that I could turn to. And I think for it's you, hard if you don't have people. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I mean, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I, I feel like that that became like a, a part of you, like a piece of your armor because you don't accept, you don't accept help a lot. And yeah, I know I don't. I think for a while you, you wanted to prove to everybody that you could do it on your own. Yeah, I'm and still like, like that. You're, you're, yeah, you still do that where you have so many things on your shoulders when you have so many other people that are helping, but I like you're still trying to prove that, you know, you made it to where you are 
by yourself and you almost don't need anybody else. But I think you're you're changing that. I'm trying because the truth of the matter is, is you can make it by yourself. Like you don't, I had nobody. Yeah. I had absolutely not one person. I had little blessings from gods, from like people that would come in and out of my life. Um, I had nobody who stood by my side day in and day out. Like nobody other than seriously, just my faith. And I would say that you can do it on your own. I mean, I did. I did it on my own. But you don't have to if you can find the right community. And that is what I have been missing, like, my whole 37 years of life so far. Like, I'm just discovering now that community is just so important, not necessarily for help, but for but for like community for like strength, for, for friendship, for wisdom and guidance and someone to lean on and someone to be there for also. I mean, there's so much about community that I, and like, and I guess people really mostly find that in their family first and foremost. And so that's why they stick with their family and they're around their family. Well, you know, for me, my family was quite toxic. I mean, really. And I think that what got me to this point in my life is that I did separate myself from them. I mean, if I would have stayed around there, I feel like I'd be so depressed and miserable because they were just, they were, they would share their love and then take it back and share their love and then take it back. And that's what my mom went through her whole life. And it seems like there's always something to fight over. Oh yeah, there's always, but. Always something. Yes, but needless to say, this most recent trip up was without a doubt, one of the best trips I've ever had to my hometown. It didn't start out that way, but... No, I mean, there, it definitely had its issues still. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. There's always <laughs> drama. But it had its issues still, mm-hmm. but it was the best, one of the best trips. And that was because my mom, like, she's like a different... She's like the old mom that I used to know. It's bizarre, and it's amazing, and it's a little scary because I'm scared that it's not going to last. But... You know, and when she texted me last night saying that she's been a full month sober, I just said, I'm proud. And no matter what, you're loved. And because I really want to give her that type of unconditional love, like I really feel like she deserves it. She genuinely does. And she's such a good person. She just kind of got lost along the way. And I think your sisters are still skeptical. Oh, I mean, for sure. And honestly, my my siblings and I, like... This I think is, you kind of have to be a little bit though. I mean, I'm still skeptical too. Yeah. And it hurts my heart. Like it hurts my heart to think that, that I might be disappointed again, but I wanted to believe in the best and I want to hope for the best. Yeah. And all I really want for my mom is for her to be and feel loved unconditionally. That doesn't, and I, t- and I told her that doesn't mean, like I said, that like I'm, if she's using, she's not going to be around our kids or anything, yeah. but she can still be, she deserves to feel loved. She deserves to, know that no matter what she does, she's still accepted and she's loved and she's worthied because she is. Yeah. And anyways, all of that to say it was a good trip up there. My mom has changed. Like she's like a completely different person. It's amazing. And, um, and I just hope to continue to nurture her and nurture that. And, um, and I really think Doug that like, you know, just everything that we've been through and like me finding out about you and, and like, loving you in a different way, of course, than my mom, but like loving you so much and then realizing like you're, you're kind of like my mom in the sense that, well, in the sense that you used and I would like to think that I'm nothing like your mom, (laughs) like absolutely nothing like your mom, but okay. Don't say that. (laughs) 
But no, like in the sense that for me. But the addiction part of it. That's sure. About, okay. I said kind of like my mom. I didn't say you're 100% like my mom. <laughs> okay. I'm not trying. I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is that like my love for you, I didn't take it away when I, you know what I mean? Like when I found out. And so I wonder if that's, I don't know. I wonder like if, if that like helped me with my mom, like under just kind of understanding my mom, like, yeah. I don't know, or loving my mom. Like I, I knew you're like, you're, you were way more and are way more than addiction. You know what I mean? The point of that was with my mom, I feel like I slapped a label on her that she was a drug addict and she was just going to use me and abuse me and abandon me. And she didn't care about me. I genuinely only thought those things of my mom and I think after like healing in general, like I don't even know what, but even hearing your story and I'm like, well, you technically used a lot as well to the point where you almost died. And well, that's, um, that's the stigma of it too, though. It's like, you know, the, the, as soon as you hear addict, like you, you even, even now, like, if I hear that somebody's an addict, like I have a picture in my head that's like a negative picture, unfortunately. And, you know, the, I don't know. I, it's, you know, for, for people, it's becoming a lot more personal because there's so much of it out there now. Yeah. But, and I, you know, I, I think it's, it's changing, but what, you know, like for, for so long, like I wouldn't even, say that I was an addict like I would I I always would say I have issues or I had issues with painkillers I had issues but you know the the term addict is um is it it just carries such a negative vibe to it it really does and the sad thing is is you know I don't think that I'm alone in the sense that when you get hurt and um betrayed by someone you love who chooses drugs over you and you know they tend to steal from you they tend to lie to you they you know they'll do anything to make you the bad guy and them the good person so that or they could like get, you're the reason why and, yeah, yeah it's easy to well at least for me it was it, I had I felt like I had to like I don't know like almost like just slap that label on her and push her out of my life and be done with her because I felt like all I would be was hurt by her. What I've learned is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be that, you know, if, if you have someone who you love, who's a drug addict, well, sure, you're not going to agree and you're, you're going to, you know, they're probably going to try to steal from you and lie to you and cheat on you and accuse you of being the bad person but what they need most is love from you. And even though that's the, one of the hardest things to do, if it's someone like your mother, your sister, your brother, your who you know, if it's someone that you love, give that to them. Show them that unconditional love. And you can have that unconditional love and have boundaries. Absolutely. That's exactly it. It's that's, not all or nothing. You don't have to just forgive everything. You don't have to just say, you know, like, like, you know, all of this bad stuff happened. I'm going to love you anyway. No, um, you should no. definitely have boundaries. You can, you can love, but you have to have boundaries and you have to make that clear. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can, I, I just think that the thing that an addict, at least based on my own experience, which is, you know, just two people, it's like you both just need to know that you're loved, whether you do it or not. Like that your worth doesn't come down to whether you're using drugs or not. You're worthy if you're a drug addict. You're worthy if you're high. You're worthy, I mean, you're worthy regardless. You're loved regardless. Can you be around me and my kids? No, that can't happen regardless. But you are worthy and you are loved regardless. And that took me 37 years and two people who I love the most in my life you know, finding out about it and going through it to kind of come to that realization. And I feel like I do think that like just you and like what you told me and all that, like about like, and I only found this out like a couple months ago, like it helped me. I don't know. Like, I'm like, if I can love my husband who hasn't even been in my life, my whole life, how can I not love my mom who gave birth to me? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, the, I, I think What's what's different is your your experiences though. Like your husband and your mother are two totally different relationships. And you never stole from me or no. abandoned Only a me few times. or neglected me. That's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> you did lie about cigarettes. And for the record, I was on to something. I knew there was something more, didn't I? Oh, yeah. Oh, didn't I? And the whole world was like, that girl. Oh, yeah. But I knew. And then I found out nine and a half years later. That's right. I was right. <laughs> Thank God for vape. Ay, 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 ay. Well, anyways, needless yeah. to say, the trip, that was, that's just raw feelings in a nutshell. I, mm-hmm. I hope that you listening, like if. And I hope we spent a couple of days in an RV which we hadn't done in so long. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I don't miss RV life. I don't either. Nope, not it even. It was a fun trip, but yeah, the thought of going back to an RV is not appealing whatsoever. Nope, not even a little bit. I like, could uh, I could do a cabin. I don't even want to do a cabin. I wouldn't mind a cabin, but. I'll tell you, I am so happy to ha- finally have like solid bones and like solid structure and solid, like a solid home that's going to be our forever home. Like, oh, it feels mm. so good to think we're not moving again ever. Yeah. And I mean, knock on wood, I feel like I say that. And then five years from now, Oh, we're moving to Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> the only, the only thing that we're dealing with now is Hendrix not sleeping. Yeah. This has been quite all. a regression. Like this Henley kid, and Hendrix. we got him, we got this kid, um, a bunk bed and the top bunk has a slide. Yeah, we got, like, I got, I found the coolest bunk bed set on, on Amazon. He slept in it once. He does he not feel safe. He still likes his pack and play. <laughs> yeah. If he sleeps, if he sleeps on the bottom bunk, which is on the floor, he never falls asleep or he yeah. just rolls into the crack or rolls off and then all of a sudden he's, you know, in our, our bed. But now he just wakes up, like, screaming if you're not there. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't know what to do. I, you know, you put him down and now he expects it. And the fact that we have him in this pack and play little crib, he, he gets out so easily. Like he's, it's just like one little hop for him. He's so good at getting I out mean, of there's, it. And like, I don't even want him leave, sleeping in that. I know you leave, um, you walk out and he gets out so fast. And uh, like I, I legit counted it the other day. Um, 
when we were trying, like I was trying to put them in and I'll say, this is the last time I'm going to stay and rub your back. I'm going to set a timer for this. Um, I'm going to stay. And once the timer goes off, I have to leave, close your eyes. You're safe. We're here. We're right outside, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, I left. So it was um, 28 times. Well, do you keep saying that it's the last time? No, I'm saying like from um, it. Well, the last time, but I'm saying when I left, 28 times he climbed out of his crib and I put him back in climbed out two seconds later and I put him back in like like I'll put him back in I'll say I love you we're here you're safe good night um, you really need to sleep and then I'll walk out and he'll cry and jump out and then I'll grab him again and I'll say I'm giving you a hug and then I'll put him in the pack and play and say you're safe I love you good night um, and so 28 times in a row he and got up and there and then that's the point where I get to James I'm gonna lose my effing mind and then and then I like I'm like I'm done yeah I'm nice for the first half hour um and I was nice for the first 20 times where he got out and put him back but 28 times in a row he got out and I had to put him back in and that's what I went in and meanwhile while he's doing that with Hendrix I mean this is our kids rule our freaking house because while he's doing that with Hendrix I'm in with Henley and she will not let me leave her bed we're listening to a sleep story we're she's cuddling so much better though like when I when I put them both to bed she'll um like I'll I'll go back and forth between them I'll say okay I'm gonna go um stay with Hendrix for a couple minutes I and wish she was back. like that for me and um and she usually just falls asleep after two trips. Oh no! Are you kidding me? Last night you just have to you just have to leave. She screams and she screams as if like it's like bloody murder. Like she screams and screams, like you know. And so at one point I told her if you don't lay down because she wants to roll, she'll lift mm -hmm. her legs up. She'll, you know, she wants water. She wants milk. She wants this. And She's I said, listen. I, I always say when I daddy's done with Hendrix, he's going to bring in water. Uh, That's my excuse to not have to like get up, get the water. Then she has to go pee and all the things I say when daddy's done with Hendrix. And so That's funny. I hope she can't hear us right now because the kids are home. But um, so last night, you know, I said, if you don't put, keep your head down on that pillow, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go sit over there. And sure. And she does it just to like test us. So she lifts her head up as she's looking at me. And I just got up. I was like, I'm just, I was so fed up. I got up. I sat at the end of, I knew that I, there was no chance I could go out of the room. Like mm -hmm. she would just scream bloody murder. And like that would, and she, and I don't want to scare her. Like, I mean, she's saying she's scared or whatever. So I sat at the end of her door and I said, and I had the sleep story on cause she really likes these sleep stories, like meditation type sleep stories. And they're good for her i feel like it like do you do alice in wonderland no she told me you did the other night yeah there's like 20 parts we do cinderella like every single night it's cinderella oh. and she just loves listening and i'm like yeah. is that like but then i put these positive affirmations on afterwards so that she can just hear like i am loved i am safe i am brave i am strong i am worthy <laughs> i say that to hendrix oh yeah and so actually oddly today at the gym I was just so tired because of this whole like getting no sleep last night because then, you know, eventually Henley falls asleep. Mm. It literally takes a freaking hour to get her to sleep and an hour Hendrix, to get Hendrix yeah, to sleep. Won't do it. And then Doug and I, it's like 10 o'clock at night before Doug and I can kind of settle ourselves down. And then by midnight, Henley's in our room and we're, we're like, and then by 2 a.m. I'm up and like, like we sleeping with get, Hendrix. Well, we usually, no, we usually get till about one 
one thirty, two. Oh, o'clock. that's true. Because about midnight we're falling asleep. Yeah, and then yeah, it's like an get hour to 1:30, later. So. Two o'clock, where it's either well, Henley's usually the first one up. She actually fell asleep on the couch. I told her she can go in with you. Um, where was I? You were in bed. Oh, so she came out of the room after I put her to bed. Yeah. Yeah, and stayed on the couch, and I left her on the couch. Even when I went to bed, I left her on the couch like, because she was sound asleep. Why am I so tired talking about this right now? Like, it's instantly I'm like, oh Well, I know, well, because it's like 8.30 to 9.30. The, it's just... It's so stressful. Uh, so I did reach out. Because I know there's like sleep sleep training and stuff like that for babies, but I'm like, what do people do for their toddlers and kids? That Like, I want to get a, a thing that you like... Some parents like put their put that weird doorknob i am i don't want to i don't want to do that i just feel like that i I think we should lock them in with (laughs) spiders or or no something and just survive no oh my gosh i don't know like for me i know that parents gotta do what they've got to do but i i want my children to be able to get out if they need to and i would be they do say it's kind of safe though if you have that on the door because i have you know, people do use that. Well, if, where they, up, if you're upstairs, I mean, that's like, well, me. no, they say it's safe. Like, cause my thought is like, what if there's a fire and you have that doorknob and your kid can't get out of their own room, but they say that it's safer for your child to not be able to get out of the room. Cause then you know exactly where they are. Like, if there was a fire, yeah. but for me, I'm like, what if the fire's in their room and they have to get out? And then I locked them in there. Like, no, I don't, I don't know. Like that might just be my anxiety talking. I just don't know what, I don't know what to do with someone that just keeps getting out of bed and just won't leave you alone. Yeah. Like, like what do you do? I mean, I might reach out to big little feelings. We had them on the podcast a long time ago and apparently, so I put it on Instagram. Like, does anybody know how to sleep train? Not a baby, but older kids. Cause yeah. I did sleep train our babies. Like when they're babies, like what happened to that? <laughs> Like, honestly, it's easy to sleep train them when they're a baby because they're in a crib and they Something can't get out. Changed. Something changed because Hendrix... Ever since we moved here, don't you Hen- think? Yeah, well, I mean, Hendrix was sleeping throughout the night, every single yeah. night. And it wasn't until, I want to say... Is he say, crying? It's not, yeah, they're they're playing. Um, it wasn't until maybe Are you like, sure? Because it sounds like he's crying, Doug. He is. I might want to go check on him. No, I think he's fine. Well... Yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until like two three weeks ago where he just started getting up and out, up and out, up and out, and then he wakes up. I don't know. See, this is why I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like nightmares that he's having because he'll wake up and like scream bloody murder, like scream. And Henley would do this too, but I think it was just because it was at night. And I remember when I was young, um, I would remember waking up and it being dark and me having to sprint into my parents' room um, in the house that we had um, and feeling safe. So I, I get it, but I hate the kids in our bed. I hate the kids in our bed. And um, I don't mind waking up to it. Um because a lot of times I I won't wake up sometimes when Henley crawls in, but I cannot stand having our kids in our bed. Yeah. So next baby, we're going to co-sleep for the first year because that's what I do. I'm nursing. I mean, it's just easier. Mm -hmm. But at the first year mark, I mean, the baby doesn't remember. And at the first year mark, um, we'll do what we, and we're going to, we're going to find someone to help us sleep train our toddler and, not yeah. even a toddler, our kid, because it's just wild. Well, but, before before we forget, I yeah. want to read one of our five-star reviews. Um, 
and uh, we thank you for your reviews. Uh, this one says, love you guys from Emmy. It says, hello, my dear friends. You, of course, don't know me personally, but I relate to you so much. My family lost our sweet cousin Jason a little over a year ago due to drugs. We never knew he was suffering. Had we known he was going through addiction, we would have stepped in to help uh, the best way we could. This is a reminder to everyone not to drown your pain and sorrows with drugs and alcohol. You never know when you'll take a nap, go to sleep, and never wake up. Jamie, I recently finished your book, Wifey 101. The chapters where you talk about abortion really stuck a chord with me. I was in a very similar situation when I was 18. It still affects me to this day many years later. I'm 30 now. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing the not-so-happy parts of life. Doug, thank you for being so vulnerable. Being vulnerable is courageous. Thank you both for being candid and share the joy of every day. Much love to you and your family, Emmy. Oh, Emmy. Thank you for that. I love your name, by the way. Emmy yeah. is... I just love that name. I think that does make it... Um, it it does make you feel, feel good that what you're... Sharing is well, helping sharing others. sharing is helping. Yeah, like poor Jason. Like, first of all, Emmy, I'm so sorry for your loss. And yeah, that's terrible. My heart hurts for Jason because he never felt like he would have been loved, worthy, and accepted if he admitted that he was an addict, even to his family. And that's not anyone's fault. It's just society, you know? And the truth of the matter is, is that it is hard to love, accept, and deem someone worthy who is an addict but we have to change that because if there's only one way to change this epidemic and that's by loving people right where they're at and they're not going to be perfect you know and I don't know I really I'm really one that believes that one sin is not worse than the other so if you lie that's no worse than someone else you know getting high off a drug like it's just or if you cheat it's no worse than you know what i mean like one sin does not make the other sin that they're all the same and Cheating's so a little worse than doing drugs nope you it's all although i'll tell you what i would divorce you if you were cheating <laughs> i think we've both said that but anyways um yeah this has been very raw we had nothing planned whatsoever we just came and we're like we're going to talk about my our trip home my trip home and um that's just kind of that's kind of where we're at right now and yeah. Um, and we're excited for next week. We're going to St. Jude's. So I, this is a charity. We have a couple trips planned. Yeah. We're excited to, we have a whole lot of trips planned. We're yeah, going so to, we, we did the country cares, um, with St. Jude, with St. Jude, uh, which was a lot of fun and very impactful last year. And we yeah. were very lucky to get invited again. So we're excited for that coming up. And then, um, it's my birthday, which I'm excited about. And then, we go to the family made event, um, which uh, I'm going to be leaving a link um, to where you can find this. But uh, family made, uh, we're doing a live event down in Nashville, um, and we'll have all the information for you in the show notes and everything else. And then once it goes up on YouTube, we'll have the links there and everything. But um, it is a chance for you guys if you're in the Nashville area to come say hello uh, to come us. Say hello. I, I think there's a little less than a hundred tickets left uh, for sale, so it's going to be a whole the whole family made group is going to be it's going to be uh, awesome. It's going to be fun. So yeah, and then after that, we are going to LA to shoot. Uh, actually, I think we go to LA first, and then family made. I can't remember. When's uh, LA? That's in November. Yeah, family maids first, I think. Jeez, so. my husband. I'm telling you, if I didn't, if I didn't keep you in line, family maids first. I don't know. Check the calendar. It doesn't matter. I think it's November fourth or fifth. 
Oh yeah, you're right. So it is family made and then it's LA to shoot for Married at First Sight. And speaking of that, a new season of Married at First Sight comes out very soon here. Yes. And based us- on the uh based on the commercial, four brides or five brides get set to be married and only four make Stay it. Stay married, which is shocking. No, only four make it to the wedding. Oh, I see. One didn't go to the wedding. Well, I mean, I'm surprised that that hasn't happened earlier on cuz like you know, all these crazy people <laughs> marrying strangers and they actually could, they actually commit to it. Like, what are these crazy souls? Contractually, I think you have to. No, you don't do actually. I remember for us, it didn't, I don't think I had to. But no. needless to say, we will let you guys go. We're excited to come back next week. We're going to have a lighthearted, super fun episode where it's not, you know, um, like all this baggage and drama. Like I feel like we could all use some lighthearted fun stuff. So I have something up my sleeve for Douglas and he doesn't even know about it yet. Well, well, because a lot of, well, a lot of the messages and things that I've been seeing were, um, they want us to get to, uh, more parenting talk and more relationship talk. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Where have you seen that? We do hear you. Clearly, Doug does, and I haven't, because I'm like, where are you seeing that, Doug? Oh, I, I see it in the, the comments on the episodes, and then also um, on YouTube, where you leave messages, and uh, some on Instagram, so. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. I hope that was a good episode for you, and if you're someone who struggles with addiction, um, one way or the other, whether I you're the- hide it and lie about it. <laughs> Douglas. No, just know that you are loved, you're worthy, and you are accepted as you are. And if it's someone that you know who is struggling with addiction, it's so incredibly difficult. But try to remember that they truly are worthy and they are, they should be accepted as they are and they should be loved as they are because they're only human and we all have our faults. Yeah. And having boundaries is obviously the only way to go about that. But if we're ever going to truly make a change, I feel like it does come from loving and accepting a person, even with, you know, in the midst of their flaws or their mistakes. So, because yes. we all have them. But anyways, hope you have a great week and thank you so much for your five-star reviews and we'll talk to you next week. Love you. Love you, bye. Bye.